You are tuned in to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, the founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders, sharing their testimonies and the work they're doing for the Lord. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus reminds us, Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We hope this program will encourage you to do just that. Now here's your host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Pastor Quincy Goodstar, who is the founder and lead pastor of Grace City Church for 14 years and is located in Rapid City, South Dakota. Pastor Quincy is the author of The Blue Road Jesus Fulfilled the Old Way and Grace is the Gospel. He has preached extensively across the United States and is in high demand because of the sweet and fresh life changing revelation of the grace and love of Jesus that transforms the listeners through his preaching accompanied with signs and wonders. Having been set free of state and federal prison, Pastor Quincy walks victoriously by the grace of Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Quincy, for being on Faith City Outreach to share how God is at work in the native lands. Even though, according to you, the past 250 years of evangelism has been a general failure in reaching Native Americans. Yeah, according to me. (laughs) (laughs) So today, I am just going to first begin that I am honored to have you on Faith City Outreach because I know that God is now wanting Native leaders to be recognized and heard in the body of Christ because they have not been recognized in the past. And as a part-time missionary in the Native lands, I know that God has not forgotten about the Natives, and He is on the big move to have the Native voices be heard. I know that you'll be speaking with love and grace about why you think that the past 250 years of evangelism has been a general failure in reaching Native Americans. So please specifically explain why you believe this. Okay. Well, I think it's actually pretty obvious. You know, it's according to the U.S. Census that 3% of Native American people claim to be Christian. And that's after basically 300 years of evangelism. But I say 1% claim to be Christian because, uh, you know, the U.S. Census, it's people just check in a box. Thing, oh, yeah, Christian, and check the box. But I would say probably 1% of Native American people claim to be that are really walking with Jesus in a relationship daily, knowing that he is with them, uh, walking with him as children of God, re- truly redeemed. And so, uh, but that is where uh, that comes from. But I also think that it probably varies from uh, from reservation to reservation. Uh, and what I mean is, for example, I've had the blessed opportunity to preach on the Navajo Nation for the past 10 years, at least once a year. And there, oh man, there is churches everywhere. And uh, the Lord's on the move there. And uh, I think the prior uh, president of the Navajo Nation 
Uh, they pray uh, to Jesus, uh, you know, uh, in their council meetings. He was at a couple meetings where I was speaking at, uh, but he he's not. I don't. He's not their president right now. It's it's <laughs> another guy, but that's how it is there. However, here in South Dakota, we have nine reservations, and I'm Lakota. Uh, the mo- majority of the world knows us as Sioux, and generally speaking. Our Lakota nation rejects Jesus. We, they do not want Jesus mentioned. They do not want Jesus uh, being prayed to in the council meetings. It just doesn't happen here. So, you know, it. I think it varies from reservation to reservation. And I also think that those numbers are a bit askew these days because according to uh, the U.S. Census in 2020, uh, now you don't even have to prove Native American descent, that you could just check a box. And if if your great grandma said you were part Native, then you can claim it and self-identify as that, uh, as of uh, at least I, I know of at least 2020, they were doing that. And so, but you can find more stats on that on Google and the Public Religion Research Institute, which is the PRRI.org, which has a slew of stats. However, on every demographic, except us. And just like, uh, you know, you were talking about, you know, Native American people feel forgotten. You know, it's sad that uh, many people overseas and in Europe know more about Native American culture and language than Americans do. And so, you know, you every every people group uh, in the body of Christ, uh, it seems, has a, a representative that is actually uh, being used by Jesus to transform the world on a worldwide platform, except for us. You know, there is not one Native person that is preaching on a worldwide platform. But I believe that is changing. And so, you know, I have a television program also on the Now Television Network that goes uh, to Western Africa, Western Europe. Uh, so these things are changing. But let me, I, 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 the preacher has the mic, so it's like, <laughs> it's hard to stop. So, <laughs> But, you know, the, the devil hates Native Americans. American people. You know, there's like, two why do you people, say that? You know, because I believe the Lord, oh, we only have 40 minutes, but so I'm trying to nutshell all of this. Okay. You know, when a Native American comes into covenant uh, with Jesus, receives Jesus as their savior. You know, you can really say that a Native American has double authority, if you will, because now we have authority as a believer in Jesus that he gives to all believers. Now, at the same time, he says that he's the one who set our boundaries and our habitations And he gave us this continent that we are now sitting on, what we Native people call Turtle Island. And so really a Native person, you can say, has double authority over governing this land as an individual who Jesus placed you here. And also, of course, as being a son of God. And so, you know, the land, God says, is desperately crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so it's no wonder why, you know, the enemy would not want the native person, the indigenous person to come into their inheritance in Jesus. And that's just one (laughs) of the many reasons that 
the enemy hates the native soul, you know, but I believe all that is is changing now. So and why is it changing now? Not 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, you know, in Jeremiah chapter 23, the Lord, he made a prophecy. He said that in the last days, and the last days were marked by Israel becoming a country again. And that happened in 1948, May 15th. And so now we can truly say these are the last days. But Jeremiah, he prophesied in chapter 23 of Jeremiah, he said that in these last days, he said the end time message, he said when Israel is called back from all of the countries that it was dispersed abroad. And we've seen that happen. We're seeing it happen now. He said, back to Israel. Mm -hmm. He said the he said the message during the, that time, this end time message would be, the Lord is our righteousness. And that was something that was unheard of in the old covenant. Jesus, well, one, there was no Jesus in the old covenant. But two, God being your righteousness under the law, it's not part of that covenant. But that is this covenant, this new covenant, that Jesus himself is our righteousness, the gift of righteousness. And so that is why we, I believe that we're beginning to see the change because grace, which is the new covenant, is attracted to the last, the lost, and the least. And when we were, uh, when we made treaties with the U.S. government, my people were not last, lost, and least in this land. We were cutting treaties with the government as peers. Now, now we have moved to last place. We're the last to be breaking into higher education. We're the last to uh, be, uh, uh, every disparity is off the charts on our reservations. Our lifespans are statistically shorter than all other people groups. Suicide's off the chart. So you can say that the Native American person, and poverty as well, you know, the, the Native American, uh, the two poorest counties in our nation are right here on our reservations in South Dakota, Zeebok County and Oglala Lakota County. And But all that means is just like water flows to the lowliest place, grace is attracted to the low places. And so there is a grace, you can say, coming upon the Native American people to bring about a style, if you will, a revelation even in the word to now play a part, to be a part of the body of Christ and have Native American repre representation in the body. So now the body of Christ can truly be complete, if you will. You know, you look at it like this, you know, when my people were cutting covenants with the U.S. government, African-American people were last, you can say, in this nation. They were in slavery. Now there was a grace that was attracted to the African-American people to where today they're not last anymore. They're movie stars, senators. One was the president, uh, 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 millionaires, billionaires. But when grace was attracted to them, when they were in last place, you could say, a style was birthed of ministering the gospel, mm -hmm of singing the gospel mm -hmm. that the whole world now imitates, still imitates it. And that's a high compliment to the African-American people. And so, mm -hmm. and of course, you know, you can't come to Jesus and stay poor. You know, you end up just prospering just by being joined to Jesus. And so you see uh, 
And then now our people, Native American people, have now taken last place. But hey, that like we just said, so an undeserved favor is upon us to bring about a style, a revelation that uh, the body of Christ, I believe, has yet to see. And so, and I believe that has begun and has be and started. I believe that you're even uh, talking to one. What has not worked in reaching the natives for Jesus? <laughs> you know, Martin Luther, he said, any culture only needs to be like 10% redeemed. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> and the trouble with uh, those first missionaries and evangelists to mm. our indigenous population mm. was they thought our yeah. way had to be 100% redeemed. And so what came about was uh, kill the Indian, save the man, that whole doctrine. Mm. And with the boarding school and the cutting of the hair and don't speak your language and that kind of thing. And that led to a lot of Native people, including myself, uh, growing up, because I didn't grow up a Christian. And I grew up uh, practicing our old belief system, our old way. And I used to call I used to call Christianity the white man's way, mm -hmm. and that we needed to stay away from that. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that Jesus is tribal, and he didn't speak English, and not one white man wrote our Bible. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So it was out of ignorance thinking those things. And so, you know, this uh, is one of the reasons that uh, many Native American people are turned off by Christianity because they think it's a colonized way. However, to think that Jesus is owned by the white man is actually a colonized mentality because who taught you that Jesus is owned by the white man? The white man did. And so, you know, that is one of the reasons why. So we have to unlearn, undo mm -hmm. all of that teaching. And, and uh, you know, Another misconception among Native American people is that if you go with Jesus, then you you sold out on your people, you sold out on your culture. And uh, uh, every Native Christian I know deals with persecution from their own relatives, including myself. And, uh, you know, but one thing that our people just don't realize is, uh, and I put it in a book, uh, The Blue Road, how Jesus fulfilled our old way, not destroyed it. I'm not talking about syncretism. I'm not talking about blending it. I'm talking about a real fulfillment that Jesus made through his finished work at the cross, because I am convinced that Jesus not only fulfilled the Jewish old way, our old way, but everyone's old way in the world, because he is the desire of all nations. And mm -hmm. I put that in a book and using scripture on how that is. And so now how it's actually possible to remain fully Lakota, fully Navajo, fully Apache, whatever you are, and walk with Jesus at the same time without compromising one or the other. How do you undo those misconceptions? Those you know, and even probably strongholds. You know, I believe that it is a stronghold in the mentality because there's a difference between culture, spirituality, mm -hmm. and custom. Mm -hmm. But yet, many people don't know the difference and just mash them all together in one. Just like, uh, like I tell people today that, and I have put it in my 
my book, The Blue Road, uh, I'm a Messianic Lakota. <laughs> so just like you have a Messianic Jew, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and an Orthodox Jew. An Orthodox Jew, he doesn't believe in Jesus. He still practices the law and he's still waiting for the Messiah. He needs saving. And then you have a Messianic Jew. But the Messianic Jew, he believes in Jesus. However, he still holds bar mitzvah. He still keeps his customs and his culture. But he now knows that he doesn't have to rely on the blood of bulls and goats. And he also knows that he doesn't even need to rely on his own works, that Jesus finished it all. However, he's still culturally Jewish. And so in that same way, like I said, so his culture has been 10% redeemed. And so in that same way, you know, I we still hold naming ceremonies. Just had one for my daughter who graduated college uh, this past summer. She received her name. And uh, we still hold uh, honorings. Uh, we still uh, keep our customs in our culture. However, I don't sun dance anymore. And for people who don't know what that is, it's uh, offering my own flesh and such. Because Jesus is the one who hung from a tree and was pierced. And so I don't have to hang from a tree and pierce anymore. You can say my culture has been 10% redeemed, so to speak. <laughs> and I'm fully redeemed in Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So going back, how do we undo those um, strongholds? You know, I have a saying, I, I tell people that nobody runs from good news. You know, people run from the law. Mm -hmm. Even when the law was given in the scripture, uh, the people ran. <laughs> and the scripture actually says Moses had to call them back because according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the law is a ministry of condemnation and a ministry of death. Well, the law is not the good news. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and where you see Jesus, everywhere you see Jesus go, there's a crowd. Sinners are attracted to him. They they want to they wanna know him. And so giving people the gospel with no mixture of the old covenant, which, ca which causes somebody to actually be obedient unconsciously, to have faith unconsciously, and to be transformed unconsciously, therefore the truth, the change is true true and permanent and happens from the inside out. And so, you know, telling, uh, sharing truths like that with people to change the way that they think. So because, give us uh, an example uh, of that, mixing, the, okay. you mixing know, the law with the good news. Yeah. You know, when an example of that is, you know, we know that, okay, all right, we're going to just let it loose. So, <laughs> <laughs> One verse that has been really misinterpreted because of mixing old and new covenants is being lukewarm, you know, because the scripture, you know, we've been taught in uh, that that scripture means behavior, that you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, therefore you're lukewarm. Well, if you read that scripture again, that really doesn't make sense because God, he says this in that scripture, he says, I wish you were hot or cold. So mm -hmm. he has no problem with being hot and he has no problem with being cold. But we let's just take that argument that it means behavior. Cold means you're misbehaving, right? Well, that doesn't make any sense then because God says he has no issue with you being cold. But if somebody had one foot in the world and one foot in the church, wouldn't you think that God would be saying, well, at least they have one foot in. Mm -hmm. At least they're not all the way out in the world. They're on their way in. But So it doesn't make any sense unless you look at it through covenant eyes, 
like the whole Bible needs to be interpreted through covenant eyes, that cold is the old covenant under the law. New, you're hot. You're on fire for Jesus. And God, he says, I wish you were one or the other. Why does he say one or the other? He says, because if you are totally under the law, cold, then the law could do its job and bring you to the end of yourself and say, you know what? I can't do this. I need a savior and bring you into the new covenant. But if somebody thinks that they can keep law, that it's a little bit of me, a little bit of law, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of grace, and together we do this thing. Well, God says, what can I do with someone like that who thinks that they can earn their way, thinks that they can earn their salvation, thinks they can earn their healing, thinks they can earn anything from the Lord. So that's just one example of mixing covenants that has caused people in the body of Christ for centuries to, to remain stagnant because the law will void your faith. But yet we have people giving God's people formulas on how to believe when the law isn't even a faith. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's wow. another example. Mm -hmm. Well, there's another issue with that translation because even the law is the word of God. But God says in the scripture that the law will void your faith and that the law is not a faith. So the NIV version actually has that verse correct. What the NIV actually says is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. Because it's the words of Christ that bring about faith, that, that the words of Christ that say you're accepted in the beloved, you're not trying to be. You're complete in Jesus, you're not trying to be. Mm-hmm. Now there's no condemnation for you because you're in Jesus. These are the words that bring about faith. I tell you what, and we all tend to forget, you know, Jesus, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. But yet he said that statement to Jewish people who were under the law, who know the law better than you and me. Mm -hmm. And he said, you shall know the truth. So obviously he wasn't talking about the Ten Commandments. What truth could this be? It's the truth of the gospel, that you are complete in Jesus, that you are righteous as a gift in Jesus. And so this is causing people to change the way they think. The Lord is our righteousness. And when you believe and rest in this truth, then all of your obediences and all the things that you tried to do, that we've tried to do and we failed at, now become a, a natural part of who we are. So then now you're not trying to become, now you're a true, real transformation. Now your behavior has not been modified. Now you are actually the genuine article. And that only comes about by the new covenant, mm -hmm. not Amen. by self-effort. Right. Where our old way of uh, walking the red road is what we call it, is nothing but self-effort. Nothing, just like the law, nothing but man's works. Right. And so, but it takes a while to explain all that to people, but Every time, every native that I've had the opportunity to sit down with and explain how Jesus fulfilled our old way, gave their life to Jesus. And that's where I got the saying, nobody runs from good news. <laughs> Because Wonder. they all received Jesus after hearing the explanation of it all. Yeah. And so it's interesting. So do you go and is that how you are reaching the natives for Jesus when you preach? 
And when you are asked to do presentations across the United States? Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but one thing that I do is, uh, um, you know, I'm a, a, a leader who happens to be Native. You know, I'm a pastor who happens to be a Native person. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that uh, I advise other Native pastors is to quit saying a uh, Native American pastor before your name. Mm -hmm. be, you know, you don't see Black people doing that. You don't see mm -hmm. white people doing that. But yet mm -hmm. we see other Native ministers doing that. Native ministers, so such and such, where you, if you do that, you segregate yourself to just preach to one people group when the whole body of Christ needs your voice, not just one people group. And so one pastor actually said to me one time, he said, Quincy, he said, I've noticed that you've never ever played that native card. And I said, I'm glad you noticed that. I said, because that's actually on purpose. And so I, I tease because I tease other friends of mine in a teasing way who put stuff on their website, like we do Native American ministries. And I always tease mm -hmm. them and say, I think I'm going to put on our website, we do Caucasian ministries. <laughs> just to get them yeah. to think a little bit because when you play That's that true. native card you then segregate yourself and you and even when you use that native donate to us we're native mm. you know we're poor you know you will never be looked at as an equal and so that kind of stuff needs to stop as well so how do we reach the natives Jesus, give us at least one or two examples how we all can do that. You know, buy my book. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, but it is true. You know, we are more the same than we are different. Different. And, you know, one thing that I've, uh, I've observed is they're like, really like three kinds of natives, right? There's like the native who blends Christianity and their old way, and just mm -hmm. mashes them together, mm -hmm. which is an error. And then there's native Christians who, who, hey, they're walking with Jesus, and they say, feathers are bad, the drums are bad, hey, we all that needs to go, we just need Jesus, and that's it. And then uh, there's the third kind of native who says, hey, let's just leave Jesus alone, we have our own way, mm -hmm. and that's the white man's way. And these are like the three types of native people, right? But mm -hmm. what I've observed is the blue road um, brings all three together, because it shows the one who syncretizes the two, mashes them together, that it's not a syncretization, it's a true fulfillment, and it shows them what to put away. And it shows the, the Christian who says our old way is totally bad. And so, and it shows the native believer who says, hey, our old way is bad. We just, it shows them know that, hey, our, again, our culture isn't bad. It was actually given to us by Jesus. And it shows the native who says, hey, Christianity is the white man's way. Let's leave it alone. Mm -hmm. That we have a way. It shows them no. Jesus fulfilled our old way. So it brings it, we see it bring all three together. And so, you know, and the reason why it's called the blue road is because, you know, if if somebody is practicing our old indigenous belief system, they say uh mani, that's I'm walking the red road. But it's interesting, 
you know, red in the Bible is the color of man. Adam mm -hmm. means red. You know, red in our culture also means the same thing. It's the color of mankind. And so it's all about man's works. Now, blue in the Bible actually means complete. Even the root word in Hebrew for blue, kala, means complete. That's actually what Jesus yelled at the cross when he expired. And the high priest wore blue. And so even in our Lakota culture, blue is the color for the creator direction. And that's why the sky is blue to honor Jesus. That's why the earth is blue to honor Jesus, because he's our high priest. It's not that he's dressed up in blue today. It's all a type and a shadow. But blue, it's a way that's complete, a way that is finished. And there actually is a blue road in the Bible. <laughs> and I won't spoil that for anybody listening that's going to buy the book. But there actually is a literal blue road in the scriptures. It's a way that is finished. You know, I tell you what, you know, our old way, you know, was hard. And in Acts 15, Peter, when they were talking about, do you need to keep the law for righteousness in this new covenant? And they said, they all agreed, no, you don't that Jesus is our righteousness. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 15. He said, why would you try to put a yoke upon the, the new believers that neither we nor our fathers able to bear? You know, the, the Christian life, I mean, is not hard. It's impossible. Only one person could do it, and one person did it, and that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we rest in him, and exactly. we let him and so the blue road, it's good news knowing, hey, somebody did this so I don't have to. The Sundance, which still goes on here every summer, throughout the summer, is violent. It hurts, uh, you know, but you, you hear people saying, I'm doing this for loved ones who can't. I'm doing this so mm. uh, my family, for my children. And it's good news to hear that somebody else pierced and gave their flesh so we no longer have to do that. That's good news. Mm -hmm. Do you ever go to your um, to any of the reservations in South Dakota to preach about the good news? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is this often or is this like once in a while that you share the good news in the reservations? Uh, on the reservation, I'd say uh, once in a while. You know, I think that uh, a lot of time it's it's good to be asked. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And so, you know, but yeah. And what has been your reaction? My reaction? It's not yours, excuse me. What has been their reaction? You know, again, nobody runs from good news. Uh, for a time there, I would go to the prison on the Pine Ridge Reservation, which is a federal holding facility. And I would preach to three, every time I went down there, I would preach to three groups of like 40 people, one after another. And without fail, every single one of them would give their life to Jesus after we spoke. But what I think hinders Native people from giving their life to Jesus again is the law. And what I mean by that is in our Lakota culture, we have what we call seven sacred values rather than 10 commandments. And those seven sacred values are like uh, love, compassion, uh, respect, honesty. And we say we try our hardest to keep these things. And there's seven of them. Well, when somebody says, 
gives a native person uh, a mixed year gospel and says, you know what? You need to quit keeping those seven and come over here and keep these 10 instead. That makes no sense to the native person because I remember thinking, why do I need to go over there and do that? I'm already asking for forgiveness. I'm already trying to be humble. I'm already trying to be honest and respectful. Why do I need to go and do that over there? I'm already doing it. And the Jewish person actually takes it even further because when they're given a mixture gospel, they're, they're thinking, what do you mean? Go over there and keep the Ten Commandments. I have the Ten Commandments before you. <laughs> I'm already doing that. So it's a failure of preaching the much more of what Jesus has done. Because every time you read in the New Covenant, uh, when it talks of what Jesus has done for us, it's always much more, much more, much more. But yet, be mixture makes it seem like nothing has changed, mm -hmm. that nothing has changed from the Old Covenant to the New. When Jesus changed everything, he even changed the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a whole message on that, too. The devil isn't <laughs> what it used to be. And so, uh, but yeah, <laughs> So I know you think that the past 250 years of evangelism has been a general failure in reaching the Native Americans. And we we know that we serve a mighty God and he can use all things, even the, let's say, the not preaching very well. Um, but he can he, he even use that. He can use the missionaries that have gone there with good intentions. He can use that to work together for good for those who love him. They have possibly have thrown in seeds, right? Oh, and he has. They have, you know, that's why I'm here. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, when I became when I got saved, I didn't uh I didn't know these things that we're talking about tonight uh, or right now. You know, I I I brought my I I think everybody starts out with working for their salvation because it's very natural you know it's like you don't have to teach anybody uh to prove them everybody who gets saved it's like they want to prove themselves to jesus you know mm -hmm. and do this and do that it's like mm -hmm. even when adam and eve fell the the first thing that they did was they went to work and they started to try to cover themselves mm -hmm. who taught them that mm -hmm. you know it's it's in us and it's called the flesh so people don't have to be taught how to work for the Lord. They really need to be taught on how to rest in what Jesus has done. And That's then true. out of that comes all of your deeds. But however, you're not even aware of your deeds. You're just aware of Jesus and who he is in our lives. And revelation, you can really say, is progressive. And that's what I meant by the beginning of this uh, conversation that uh, Jeremiah prophesied this end-time message, the Lord is our righteousness. Because, you know, when I got saved, uh, you know, there was other messages happening, you can say, although grace has always been the gospel, you know, that were preparing, I believe, the body of Christ in on this continent for this end time message of righteousness is a gift and righteousness is Jesus, a person mm -hmm. He's made unto us righteousness. And so, you know, uh, yes, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, I, I just see it as like building blocks on one on top of the other, because one thing that, you know, pastor Quincy's 
former pastor and pastors, they're not being insulted or stepped on. Uh, I'm standing on their shoulders. And so we ought to see farther. Now, I know you talked about the Lakota tribe. So the Lakota tribe not being very open to receiving uh, the gospel or <laughs> oh, the good news. <laughs> um, what has, are there are there missionaries being sent there? Are, yeah, is there, there movement there that missionaries are being sent, evangelists? Are they at work right now? Yeah, it's kind of a running joke. I mean, uh, what I mean by that is every summer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the natives joke about white van season and mm. all the white vans will come. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they'll fix a porch or fix a deck, you know, uh, fix uh, somebody's roof. And then, of course, they did mission work. Uh, the same 30 people will get saved again, and then uh, they'll leave. But everybody, there's no real true change that remains, you know. So, right. it is, so it's become like that. But yeah, there's no no shortage of, of that. But, uh, you know, I, I believe that uh, one of the issues with being a Native person in leadership and in ministry is, well, let me back up and put, put it like this. Uh, studies show that 90% of our behavior and our thinking is subconscious. That means we don't even know why we're doing what we're doing. We just do it. We and we just we treat people the way we treat people because of this subconscious, unconscious way of being. And what I mean, what I what I'm getting at with all that is I don't know, the non-native minister, uh, I have, and I could give example after example of how I've had one of the challenges that I've had as a Native American pastor is not being seen as, uh, let me put it like this, I'm part of a people group that's a mission field. And so how in the world can he lead? Mm. How in the world can he teach us something? Because he's actually from a whole people group that needs teaching and saving. And so, and this is not just an issue with the non-native, it's an issue with natives as well. Because there's natives who would much rather receive from a white man than one of their own, but yet they're not even uh, aware of this mentality. Uh, you know, this is what, here, here's a couple examples. I was at this coffee shop with another pastor friend of mine who's white, and he's about 10 years older than I am. And we seen another native there, and uh, our and uh, I introduced, I said, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. Well, he told a mutual friend of ours, he said, yeah, I seen Quincy at the coffee shop with his pastor. Well, I never said that was my pastor, but he just thought that, oh, he must be over Quincy because he's older and he's white. When actually I was asked there because I was actually counseling him. Mm -hmm. And when I was sharing this with another uh, Native American brother, who is uh, owns his own business, he said to me, he said, you're absolutely right, Quincy. He said, because this is what happened to me. He said, I was doing some work on the casino on the Pine Ridge Reservation, talking with some of the locals. 
And then one of his employees was coming and the local said, oh no, you better get back to work. Here comes your boss. And then they said, and he, of course he's older and he's white. And so he told him, he said, what do you, he said, what do you mean get back to work? I own this business and that's my employee. And so this is another colonized mentality mm -hmm. you can see that native people and non-natives aren't even aware of. Right. You know, I got a phone call not too long ago uh, here in uh, Rapid City from another pastor. Uh, pastor is one of the largest churches in our city. And uh, I wish I saved the voicemail. I'd play it for you right now. <laughs> but he said, on the voicemail, he said, I need a Native American. And they were asking if I would come and pray for the city council. Mm. Well, one thing that, uh, you know, and I, that's the type of ignorance that we deal with, because if he would have called a black person and said, I need an African-American, well, that probably would have been all over social media mm -hmm. and stood for it. It wouldn't, have, it, mm -hmm. wouldn't have, it wouldn't have crossed his mind to do such a thing. But for mm -hmm. some reason, he can do that to, to us. And, and the other thing that he doesn't realize is I get emails asking to pray for the city council myself. <laughs> so you don't need to call and you don't need to ask me. I get the same emails you do. Right. And so, you know, it's, and so these are things that need to be uh, undone. And, mm -hmm. and, I'll, and to be honest with you, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to talk about things like that, but there's a part of me that also thinks that it's not going to stop unless it's talked about. And so that's true. And but I mean, you would also think that, you know, when and it's normal, it comes to everybody's mind about a certain cultural group. But then we stop and think and say, you know what? That is a human being. He's he or she is not. Um, we don't go by their culture, you know, Hispanic or Native American or African-American, you know, Lord, forgive me for believing this way lord forgive me for thinking this way do you know what i mean like we have those thoughts those fleshy thoughts and those misconceptions or even maybe even a, a prejudice still in our mind but that's why our, the holy spirit will convict us and say no do not think that that is my child if we are just sensitive to the holy spirit he will give us those convictions and i think those convictions serve us right and correct us you know and that's what i meant by you know 90 percent of our behavior is subconscious mm -hmm. and, and you're right and you know our uh and it you know and a lot of people uh you know here in south dakota um one in 20 people are native american mm -hmm. and uh, last names like mine are common here but yet um in other parts of the country uh, not so much and uh and so you know uh I, but i think with the help of even social media that you know making the 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 united states and uh other parts of the world aware that hey we are still here mm -hmm. that uh we are real <laughs> we're, mm -hmm. we're still alive here <laughs> absolutely and that uh and so, uh, you know, I think that's beginning to change. And so, you know, because it's different as well in different parts of the country that I go to, uh, you know, here, there's a lot of controversy 
among the tribe and the state. And however, uh, a lot of uh, discriminations on both sides here where I live. Mm -hmm. And however, when I go to, uh, like the first time I visited Washington, D.C., uh, I was walking into the uh, FCC building and and uh, this a security guard stopped me and said, hold it, you're, you're Native American. I said, yeah. And he said, and he put out his hand and he said, I just wanted to shake your hand because it is an honor to meet you. Mm -hmm. And I was so taken back because that never happened to me before in my life. But mm -hmm. just a, a different place, a different mm -hmm. uh, area. And so, you know, Pastor Quincy, just God help us with our thinking. Mm -hmm. God help us just think and look at, especially, you know, if we're Christians, God forgive us for having those thoughts towards our own brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of whatever cultural background they're from. Oh, yeah. And I do it, too. <laughs> no, and, and that's why I said, it, that's why I said, you God, know? forgive us. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm, yeah, saying I'm, I'm including ourselves, too. Oh, yeah, um, I know exactly. What <laughs> God, forgive us. But may we also just also be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and ask for forgiveness. God, correct us. But Pastor Quincy, what is the Lord putting in your heart during your prayer time lately or your Bible reading time? Mm, do we have another hour? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have I'm about five it. minutes. <laughs> no. We have five minutes. You know, one thing that, sure. you know, grace is, I hear people say things like, yeah, the grace message. Well, you know, grace is not a message. It is the gospel. Mm -hmm. Grace isn't a topic. That's true. Grace mm -hmm. is not a subject. Grace is a person. Mm -hmm. And grace is the gospel. And I, I put that in a second book in how grace has always been the gospel, how grace has always been king in God's sight, even under the law. And I have messages about that. And, uh, you know, grace is actually the only, through the lens of grace, the Bible now becomes one thread. And so, you know, everything needs to be taught and preached from this foundation that Jesus remembers your sin no more. Mm -hmm. Parenting from that foundation, mm -hmm. uh, fellowship from that foundation, um, uh, suffering from that chastisement from that foundation, tithing from that foundation, everything needs to be taught from that foundation. And then when that happens, now you're preaching the whole counsel of God. And so that is one thing that, you know, I believe that, you know, everybody has their own assignments. And one of, I believe, my ministry's assignments is to, and I'm not the only one, there's many all over the world that are, God is in this time taking off new covenant truths off of the shelves that man has shelved and dusted them, dusting them off and representing them back to the body of Christ. And so, because, wow. it, and I, I believe that is one of the things that is happening uh, during this time. And so it's an exciting time to be in. And so being in the new covenant, better covenant, better promises, and, and to really learn what that is and what that means. I'm going to have you end in prayer, Pastor Quincy. I thank you so much for this time and 
I just pray that God um, continue to bless you and expand your territory. I know that you have a um, TV program. You did mention it earlier in the in the uh, interview. So please tell us a little bit more real quickly. From what I read on your website, it airs Mondays at 1030 Mountain Time. Yeah, and people can go to QuincyGoodStar.com to see how to view that. Uh, and also uh, go to Quincy Goodstar YouTube channel and Quincy Goodstar Facebook. Hit follow, subscribe, and you'll receive... Uh, messages uh every time we go live every sunday and uh um on the program as well and uh videos and keep up with me on events coming up i'll be i'll be in south carolina um preaching at a healing the nations conference with signs and wonders with uh mahesh and bonnie shavda uh october 19th through the 22nd and uh be filming for the now network not tomorrow, but next Friday for another program as well. And those uh, are aren't live streamed till after uh, that after they're aired, they're put on YouTube. Great. Is there anything else missing before I have you end in prayer that we can learn more about your ministry? Um, not at. I don't think so. Everything else can be just checked out on the websites, I believe. Thank you so much for being on Faith City Outreach. And if you could just end in prayer for just for whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father, thank you for blessing this podcast to expand more than Marina even thought or imagined to impact the nations in the world for you, Jesus. And Father, just like you prayed, Jesus, in what we call your high priestly prayer, cause all of us to become one, just as you and the Father are one, and we are one in you. Father, thank you for bringing about a unified body like never before, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for doing it quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Global Gospel Worship Radio with Marina Maria where all the nations praise the Lord with Christian international music and radio programs. For more information about our radio ministry, please go to globalgospelworshipradio.org. Now we'd like to bless you with this scripture from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for listening.